Welcome to Sass Holes, the podcast, the show where me, Jamie Carney, and Pete Jansen say hi, Pete. Hey, how you doing? Talk about everything and anything we have experienced over our combined 60 years of experience in the cloud software environment, a.k.a. SaaS. From finance to product to marketing to data analytics to sales, we've covered it all. Today, today's topic is how not to get laid off. Layoffs? Layoffs? Well, how to make sure you're vital to the business is really today's topic, uh, which should equate to not being laid off. You can't control that, but that should be um, what our focus is. Yeah, Before we get into the show, about, yeah, go ahead, Pete. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's covering both sides, right? Yes. If you've got to lay off somebody and you've been laid off, mm-hmm. right? and, you know, there, there are two, two sides. And we've both experienced both sides of that. Amen, brother. Um, before we get into the show, we've got a segment of Leader You Should Know. That's what it rhymes, Pete. I'm a poet. I didn't even know it. Oh. So, Pete, who's the leader we should know? Old school OG leader, John Abrazino, who worked his way up the ladder from uh, working with us, going to Glassdoor, and now he's the chief employment officer at Employing U.S., Ambro, Chief Employment Officer. I'm guessing that's an HR role. That's a that's a nice title. That's yeah, C- that's a nice title. Any C level C- one is a nice one. Wait, is that technically CEO? Well, yeah, I guess technically. All right. So he should he should just call himself CEO. That's right. right? Ambro, like Chief Employment Officer. Ambro, shout out, brother. Maybe we should bring you on. Have yeah. you explain what 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 a CEO is? Another segment we typically do for all these podcasts. Uh, Pete's a self-proclaimed uh, resident comedian, um, and he has right. a joke every single day. I'm not guaranteeing. In fact, I'm, I'm guaranteeing they're not funny. So, Pete, go ahead with your who, joke. Who, who made any guarantees? <laughs> All right. Why was six afraid of seven, Carney? Well, I because seven, eight, nine. Okay. That's what you would think, but it's because seven is a registered six offender. <laughs> Uh, now, there's, now there's a debate, which is a better punchline. Seven, eight, nine, for sure. You know, I, I guess if you got little, little kids, I guess that, that, would, that would be good. Mm-hmm. Okay, what else we got on this uh, right. list? Uh, rep, you should know. Rep, you should know. How about none other than old school Ross Shaka Khan. Ross Shaka. Oh, man, he started back way in the day. I want to say the early 2000s. He's over he may have started in the early 2000s, but does he know who Shaka Khan is? Uh, he knows who it is because that's what his nickname was. You know, we always we always give him a, a nickname. He's uh, uh, in direct sales over at Comcast right now. So, uh, Ross Shaka Khan, I can see you in my mind right now hopping through the dollar store for the contest you won filling up your cart worth worth of dollar goodies. I'm going to have uh, to find that video. We do have to find that video and share that because we'll that, that is one of the funniest videos of all time. You tied their shoelaces together and had them run through. And wasn't it yeah. your most successful uh, uh, sales contest ever? Because one, it was a dollar store reward, but two, people really wanted it. They wanted oh, to they win. were. Oh, I'll tell you what. He, he was hopping like a frog. It Remind was the funniest me, video in the world. We'll, we'll, we'll do a, a cast on uh, motivation, and I think that video will have to uh, come up. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, before we get started into the show about layoffs, um, we got to take, we got to handle some business. And take a 20-minute break from our word from our sponsor, NeuroNoodle. Get a doodle of your noodle today at NeuroNoodle. If you suffer from ADHD, anxiety, you suffered a concussion, 
or many other health issues, you should consider treatment like neurofeedback. Mental health is a huge focus with COVID, especially with children who may not be able to grasp this virus concept. Um, there's other things to do besides just mental health with neurofeedback. There are brain brightening. Um, this is allowing business leaders to help focus and, and tra train their brain. It can be, uh, what's, what's your tagline uh, at NeuroNerd? If it can be trained, if it can be measured, it can be trained. Um, so don't always think of this as a correctional, but also as an enhancement. People are using this for brain brightening. Uh, my wife's been talking about it. I've been talking about it. Um, I've witnessed uh, neurofeedback today, uh, you know, uh, firsthand as my kids are using it. So I think in areas like today, mental health has to be a priority and try neurofeedback by visiting neuronoodle.com. Good people there, uh, as you guys already know. Love those people. And the, the non-official neurofeedback center for Bears Fit in, in Vernon Hills. <laughs> and, and there's a uh, bear store right across the street, too. As I oh, recall. That, that's Bears Fit, man. That's Bears Fit. Okay. Seriously, all, all the guys that go in and work out to get the Bears workout physically. Yeah, seriously, yeah. Then they, they get a mental workout. They come across the street. At Neuro, That's crazy. Neuronoodle. That's oh, crazy. Yeah. Well, it's great. It's a great service. So look into it today. Okay. So we also um, we started doing news of the week. And Pete, I know you got news of the week. Um, so why don't you go through the news of the week today? Uh, well, that Beirut blast, man. 2,800 tons of fertilizer. So it's Sort of like us every week. <laughs> Dropping the bomb, but it, 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 it may. It, it, I mean, hell of a blast. Uh, if you could see the radius of the blast zone you put over the Chicago land area, I mean, it's wow. Basically, yeah, basically Chicago would be toast. Uh, right? and, my my, my uh, windows. I live in the city. My windows would be blast out, as I recall when I looked at that. No, yeah. that's that's crazy. So uh, we thank our lucky stars. Uh, let's see. Uh, Harvard NYU put out a study uh, working from home. Uh, the workday increased 49 minutes. The number of meetings went up 13%, but uh, spending less time in the meetings than before COVID. I thought that was interesting. 83% of uh, the New York City bars uh, weren't able to pay full rent. Uh, and then the, the elephant in the room was the, um, the jobs report, July jobs report. Economy surprise added uh, 1.7 million uh, jobs, uh, and the unemployment fell to 10 percent. But 10 percent—I mean, we were below what four percent, right at four yeah. percent. So, so the number of layoffs uh, that are happening—you didn't say it. Layoffs, but yeah, um, the layoffs are crazy. I mean, 10 percent. So five percent is what we call full employment. There's always a healthy amount of unemployment out there. But 10% is crazy here, but it's not crazy in other countries. 10% was typically the unemployment, I believe, in, like, Germany and uh, the U.K., two of the best European um, economies out there. So 10% is not abnormal in other countries, but in the U.S., it is extremely high. Well, so, I mean, it depends on the GDP, right? You know, how productive mm -hmm. the workers are. Um, well, but still, they're... The other thing is the GDP, you know, the annualized GDP dropped a third. It's yeah. crazy. The, the, the quickest drop ever. So what does that mean? That means layoffs have occurred. Um, you know, if you listen to our last podcast about how difficult it is to create pipeline in the pandemic, um, let's be honest, layoffs are not going away anytime soon. We might be adding jobs, but what we're really doing is we're adding jobs in different sectors than where we had jobs today. And layoffs... That's a cyclical thing. You know, I've been 
uh, around, uh, I've been almost working for 30 years and I've dealt with seven rounds of layoffs. Uh, so it's like seven. at least four years. Yeah. Alex, right, you're in finance. You don't need finance, guys. I've not been impacted. My co the companies I've worked for have laid off, uh, have done like full-scale layoffs seven different times. I was just going through it. Um, you know, and uh, I was laid off once after getting a retention bonus. That was great. Um, uh, I was then not rehired back like 12 months later. I, I actually uh, asked to get laid off uh, at that company because the severance packages were decent and the writing was on the wall that there wasn't going to be a lot of cash left. So I wanted the severance package because I knew where this was going. After I got my retention bonus, I asked for the severance package, got that. 12 months later, I think it was 12 months later, uh, I got hired back by that company to help them through some stuff, um, which is kind of crazy. So there is opportunity still in these layoffs. I've also had to lay people off. You know, uh, it's an awful experience. Um, it's, it's awful because you're laying people off, and, and typically when you're, you're, you're exiting people from the business, meaning that you're firing them or asking them to quit, they know. Like, they're, 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 if you're a good leader, you're, you're making it well known to them that the path for them is one way or another, and, and right now they're leaning towards getting let go. At a layoff, sometimes these people aren't doing bad. They're just not doing as well as other people. Um, and, and the business, the, the company itself has had to say, you need to cut two or three people. So it comes as a complete surprise to them. And that's where it just becomes awful because you have to go through that process. Um, I've also been in situations, granted I was underpaid, Pete, you're well aware of this, where uh, they're laying off the other people and they're giving, uh, you know, they're giving me more money uh, to stay on board, uh, not only with the retention bonus, but just with, uh, um, uh, you know, money itself and, and, and my right-hand man and stuff like that. So, I mean, granted, that turned into being a disaster. Six months later, I was like, get me out of here. But, um, right. you know, at first I was sort of like, hey, this could be pretty good. Or this, you know, maybe this company could turn it around and things like that nature. I mean, Pete, uh, so I've, I've experienced, you know, layoffs. I've laid people off. I've been laid off. I've uh, taken advantage of certain situations where I've been laid off. I've only been laid off really twice, no once. Um, uh, exited another time after I wanted yeah. to be laid off. But, um and I've laid people off. But Pete, what's your experience? Well, let's see. Let's go to the baseball strike in 94. Mm -hmm. I was general manager of the Cubby Bear Sports Corner, the rooftops, uh, back before, way before. Rick Are the Cubs any good at that time? Uh, Actually, amazing. It doesn't matter if they're good, but they're, they had a full uh, stadium, unlike the Sox. Hey, um, hey, hey. Um, now, that's Jack Brickhouse. Um so you had a baseball strike in 94, and at the time we had music and sports, so you lost half of your business. So if half of your money is gone, you know, you can't keep the same staff on and you can't get paid the same like you were before because at the time you didn't know when the baseball players were coming back. Um, let's see, Microsoft Sidewalk, the uh, Bill Gates decided to sell it off. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's like the old school Yelp or City Search. Man, people ain't going to remember that one either. No. Just think of, think of Yelp like a long, long time ago. And then most recently, uh, last year, 20 years out of place, vice president of sales, uh, phone call. Uh, your services are no longer required. Thank, thank you very little. And there you go. Complete surprise. So, uh, Wait, was that one really a complete surprise, that last one? Uh, the phone call was a complete surprise. Yes. Um, but... Uh, like a slow death, 
you know, you see the business going down, it's a slow death, but uh, the surprise part of it was uh, you put X number of years in a place and then uh, it's a phone call, you know, but whatever. Yeah, lack of respect. And there was new yeah. owners, you know, and it was pretty Whatever, you know, there's no, there's no crying in sales. No. Um, but uh, so why are we going through this? Because, hey, man, this stuff is happening. Things are changing quickly. Work from home. I mean, that's that's changing status quo. So all the skills that you had before that were worth money may not be worth money now. And you have to, you know, pick up some new skills. So, yeah. So, I mean, so, who, so like to that point, and, and this is really where we want to get into, like who stays and who goes? Like, how, I, I know it's an object. There's, there's a part of it is quantitative or objectively, uh, but part of it is also qualitative. Like you, you got to look at, you, you know, that both of those are in there when they have to make a decision, it's still a people person and they they're going to make a decision on who they want in their team and you can't control that always um but how, how do you go about like making sure that you're on that team if you want to keep that job well like you said before i mean there shouldn't be any secret of how the business is doing there shouldn't be any secret in how your performance is doing um for the unfortunate uh, companies and, and leaders out there that don't do performance reviews whether it's annual weekly uh, you know, monthly, quarterly, whatever, you know, everybody should know where they stack up. And, you know, I had to do uh, a, a big cut in 2008. I think we were at 650. I think we had to lose a couple hundred. Um, and, you know, it, you know, as a business leader, you said, Hey, you know, you got to cut, you have to get your budget down to this. Okay, great. Well, if you don't, if you're not, tracking performance okay it's one thing to have sales but look if all you're going to do is stack rank on sales we all know that there's a sales cycle and those results could be six months old three months old because right you know the phone call you made yesterday is not going to turn into a sales for like six months or in your case so what's the a sales year. cycle there? I mean, a, nine year. Months to a year yeah so if you don't know what the people have been the amount of work that has been put in that will turn into future revenue if you don't know what's been done currently, I mean, you'll be cutting off people with great sales, but maybe they've taken their foot off the gas in the last few months, and then you you may not be keeping the best people around. You know? So you got to look. So if you're gonna lay people off, uh, and it's in sales, you're gonna want to look at maybe the pipeline that they have and what's about to close. That's got to be taken into consideration because if they have a deal, and that, that that you know that could be a jeopardy if you let them go, you've got to take that into consideration. I think. So I think that's a great point. I think one of the things is if you can control anything and what you were talking about is on those reviews is uh, I feel like so many people go through the motions on those reviews, quarterly, semi-annually or annually. Um, you should really try to take as much time as you can in those reviews because that's really where you get an idea of where you stand as well as um, it allows you to document where you feel you stand. Uh, maybe you think you've done great and your boss doesn't. Well, at least you have documentation on that um, something that you can uh, hold on to to sort of point out all these different things that you have done. You've accomplished all the goals that were set to you and put in front of you. Maybe you exceeded them all, but at least you have that. Well, you know, speaking for salespeople, hopefully everybody's competitive and everybody wants to be number one, right? Every The number one rep should know who the, the number one rep is. But it's like Jack Welch. I mean, who's your top 20%? Who's your middle 70? Who's the bottom 10? The bottom 10, if you have to do reduction in force, hopefully everybody knows who the bottom 10 is. Hopefully. Right? 
So that's where these reviews have to come in. I mean, to get, get it down to simplistic terms, hey, here's what I like. Here's what you got to improve. Okay. Here's what I like again. And here's the things you're going to do for the next time period. And we're going to follow up. And don't, don't, do not allow your, your manager or your leader to, uh, you know, coast on those reviews. If they're just giving you a grade and no commentary and the grade is sort of like, what is that? Uh, you need well, to set up time and sort of hone in on that because uh, this is a time where you sort of get an idea and it gets logged because if you're getting acquired, I mean, let's not be, let's not be, um, you know, let's, let's, you could get laid off because of the economy. You could also get laid off because your company has been acquired. And a lot of times in those acquisitions, they're looking, the people that are buying the company are looking at, you know, yeah. they're looking at all the reviews. They're actually looking at, I go, here's another thing. So it's, it's reviews and, and quarterly reviews to see where you stand in stack rankings. That's, that's one. Unfortunately, so you also got to be checking in, buzzing in, getting on your VPN nowadays, because the acquiring company looks at those stats. It's crazy. What they well, do. I think what they look at is, unfortunately, getting back to compensation, you know, what you're paying out some people, especially non-sales like you guys, you know, it's tied to, you know, what are your reviews? And yes. then, the, you know, leaders, you know, don't want to be a bad guy or girl and say, all right, oh, you're perfect. Well, if, if you, let's just say five is the highest you can give, one is the lowest. If you give everybody a five, you know, what's the incentive to do more? You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So it's either you need to have different uh, data points to, to grade people on, or you just have to have an adjustment. I mean, I've had people ask me, hey, you know what? Uh, thank you for giving the reviews. And I mean, you can ask the thousands of people I work with. I am not an easy grader. But the, what I submitted in for, for compensation I was told to lower the grades because we didn't have the budget. I don't know if that happened to you. That uh, happens everywhere, but yes, that happened to me all the time. Oh my God. Okay. Well, you have to lower it. And it's, then why do the, why have it tied to competition? You know what I mean? It's. Yeah. That's funny because at, I know what company you're talking about, but it, you know, they would look at the, uh, the, the salary and the bonus and say, this is your full compensation package and how does it compare to market? But at the end of the day, it almost seemed like they wanted to make sure that you only got 75% of your bonus. Um, so there was, it, was, it was kind of strange in the fact that you were, you were taking that as a way to justify why we're underpaying you, I guess, because right. they, would, they would try to get everyone down to 75% or a majority of the people down to 75% of bonus, and they'd play with the stats on how you're going to get paid. So that was, that, that, yeah, that's, it's sort of like, hey, did they do the job, yes or no? Did they do a great job, yes or no? Maybe all of them could do a great job, but they would sit there and say no. And they, they, this is not unique to that company. This happens everywhere. Um, the rankings need to be slanted towards only the best get the best, and and you've got to rank them around there. But it, it, it was it was very frustrating. I was a very tough grader as well. I think another thing that if you're a, if you're a leader or a manager, I think you need to be a tough grader. Uh, if, if you're getting acquired and, and and they look at everybody and you're not filling out those forms and you're giving everyone fives if it's five out of ten, five out of uh, uh, five. Uh, you're not considered a great leader at that point. If you're really going through and, and analyzing all those people, they're going to look at that. Um, I think another thing that, you know, being a non-sales guy, sales guys, it's sort of easy. Are you selling? Do you have a lot of pipeline? Are you active? Right? Right, right. Um, non-sales or leaders, you know, you've got to be really focused on the reviews, um, really make sure, you know, you're checking in and checking out, buzzing the door if you're going into the office, 
or your card and VPN, you're on the VPN at a certain time and logging off at a certain time. Right. Those are, those are actually very important. It's crazy on acquisitions. Another thing that you need to think about is um, a lot of people, especially in non-sales, you know, I would do this with, with uh, the people that work for me. They'd be doing work that maybe somebody told them a year ago that they needed this, and they needed it every week, or they needed it every month. And I'd sit there and look at these guys and be like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Well, such and such asked me for it. And so the rule of thumb is, well, you get any questions about it? No. Stop doing it. And if you stop doing it, no one notices. So don't notices, do it again. Right. Exactly. But there's so many people that are doing things just because they were told to, and at first people thought it was great. If they don't get asked about it, then stop doing it. And then at the same time, that'll, that should free up time. Because if you do something, anything, causes controversy, debate, or whatever, you know, something that creates internal dialogue and trying to change something. You're doing an analysis in that regards. Focus your attention on that. It, you've obviously hit a chord with the business. If you're, I'm thinking of people that are on the lower levels that maybe aren't in the know, but if you're doing something that has a lot of questions, a lot of concern about, and things of that nature, that means you're hitting a chord with something that's important to the business, and you should really focus in on that and really own that because you become a little bit more vital to the company. Um, I, you know, I'm trying to think of things, Pete, um, that you've probably experienced. I know you had that, um, what was that thing called? The pedometer or Pete pricing calculator or something like that? What was well, the, well, the engagement meter. The engagement yeah. meter, that's it. Well, I mean, you know, you get, in the early days of SaaS, before you had success people, you need somebody to keep an eye on the accounts to give you the heads up. Hey, man, this could go south at renewal time. So you would get success people. And the grading on that was very subjective. And uh, we came up with a way of, hey, man, what is the value of this account to the client? Meaning, like, in dollars, is this growing or reducing the impact that it's having to the, to the client, right? And, uh, you know, if somebody spent 30 grand with me, I wanted to ensure to the client that they would get 100 back, and I wanted to have proof. So whatever the metrics were, you know, contacts, Clients coming in, obviously sales. Uh, you wanted to be able to pay out the customer service people based on the value to, to the client. Um, you know, the, the other thing we had, Jamie, was, uh, you know, we, we, we've ranked all of our sales reps. And the way we did it was we, we, we gave equal weight to the current sales that are reported and the amount of work, meaning whether it's dials, contacts, appointments run, and we would have a, a stack ranking. It was kind of interesting. Maybe we can, I'll do another segment on it, but you would have a graph and you would have the amount of work performed and the results that would come in. And if you can envision four quadrants, if you somebody's doing the work and the sales are coming in, they should be in the upper right quadrant. If you have no sales, no work, it would be the bottom left. The veterans would always fall into the bottom, which would be, Hey, they got results, but they don't have a lot of work. The newbies, which you got to watch out for, is they have a lot of work coming in and they don't have results. That's in the upper left quadrant. So what you want to make sure is if you're going to have to get, let somebody go, take a look at the people that are putting in the effort. And if you see the effort that's coming in, they don't have results yet, but they will based on the sales cycle. That's something you got to keep an eye on. Because we would do a bubble chart on that. The larger the bubble, the larger the sales, yeah. right? I think another way, like another way to stack rank people, you know, so if you're in sales, obviously it's how much have you sold, what's your activity. I think uh, another, another way companies do this, and this is something that um, 
you know, we look at a lot is the gap, uh, gap multiples. So what I mean by that is if you're a rep and you have half a million dollar quota for the year and you sold $100,000, you have 400,000 gap to get to the annualized quota, right? And, and then what is the multiple of the pipeline that is set to close within that, uh, that remaining time frame of that year? Is it two times multiple, two and a half times multiple, three times multiple, four times multiple, or is it one times multiple? If it's one times multiple and we gotta cut somebody, those are the people that have a very little room for error, meaning they might have, all their deals have to close for them to hit their annual quota. So that's yeah, something pro- also to think about. Pro- projected sales, that's another. Yeah, it's projected sales. Li- li- liar's poker. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, if you publish that, so this yeah. is a secret sauce, if you publish it, that's how they're getting looked at, all of a sudden, pipeline go up. goes way up. Yeah, it's all fake pipeline. But and your, your percentages go down. But for the, the people that are listening to this podcast and you're a sales rep, just know that's the secret. Um, so uh, make sure you go about that. Another thing, so we talked about uh, reviews. Um, we talked about, like, uh, making sure that you're, you're, you're clocking in and clocking out. Uh, you're, not, you're not skipping and taking advantage of maybe uh, your, your, your legacy time at the company and people aren't really paying attention to you as much. Um, you, you've got to make sure that you're working on the right things, your stack rankings and all of that. But you also, guys, right now is a perfect time to really work your internal network at the company. Uh, if, you, if you think people are going to get laid off, well, those people are going to get laid off. Um, maybe they get laid off today. And six months later, you're out of a job. Hopefully, within those six months, they have found a job, and you could be hitting them up for um, for future uh, work. So, so I think internal network is a huge uh, area. What do you think, Pete? Well, we've been talking from the leadership point of view. Let's talk it, you know, from the other end. Okay, you've been cut. Now what? What's the first mm-hmm. thing you do? Uh, go boozing? Don't suggest, <laughs> right? Yeah, so, I don't suggest that, but I know it's going to happen. Right. I mean, well, look, a good sales rep should, should not be unemployed for a great amount of time. So if you burn one of those days, really, if you go boozing, it's not just burning one, one night, it's the next day, you know, you don't have any time to waste. So you have to focus the, the work that you're going to do. So let's see, sidewalk, when I got cut first, you know, there, the internet was sorted around, but the fax machine was huge. I mean, I, I made sure my resume was put together in a simple format that showed the, the amount of work that I put in and the amount of revenue I generated for the companies I work for, right? Mm-hmm. So if you hire me, let's just say it costs a couple hundred grand, the value I'm going to give back to you is $4 million, whatever it is, and then showing proof of how I did it, right? And then getting that out to everybody. Look, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason. Think of a slot machine, right? Um, ethos, logos, pathos. Remember uh, Aristotle? Mm-hmm. You need those three things in order to influence somebody. Okay. So ethos, how likable are you? Okay. Logos, what's the reasoning for your argument? So am I likable? Okay. Don't be an idiot and don't have a crappy resume. Be professional, unlike myself. Have a good, <laughs> have a, have a good reason, right? And then pathos, that's all depending on the mindset of the other person, right? You need all three of those things, like a slot machine, cherry, 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 to come up to have influence. Okay, that's kind of where the two thirds rule comes in in sales is you have to do so a a certain amount of contacts because only two out of the three you control. You can be likable and you have have to have a good reason. But that third one, the person is not ready for your message. Right. 
So you have to get out there, whether it's your network, any job that's out there, even if it's not the one that you're doing, get, get, get that piece of paper, get that CV, get those digits out there so you have a chance, right? And in our case, you know, executive recruiters, anybody that's willing to take the thing and have a, have a conversation. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think you need to take a break. Take a breath first. You know, it depends on your situation, your economic situation. You either take a breath, which means, you know, maybe a night, or you take a break if you have the financial wherewithal. You know, I'm a, I'm a one-income family right now, so it's always uh, take a breath with me. You need to then, you know, um, create your job search like it's your job. Um, yeah, that is your job. Yeah, that's your job. And so that means wake up, get going, meet anyone you can for coffee, call or drinks, just Whatever you can do, meet them. Call anyone and everyone. Uh, call all your former employees that have found jobs somewhere else. Update your resume often. And what I mean by this is, that, you know, being on the product side, especially in the labor market, um, recruiters typically uh, look at freshest resume, most, uh, most recently modified resume. The reason why they do that is because they're looking, you know, they're searching for someone, and then they're also, um, they want to see, who's most recent out there because maybe they have something unique that they can touch. Not every recruiter's on it and they can present it first to uh, the employees. So, you know, a little trick I always tell people is go into your resume on all the job boards that you might be on and resume places and, and modify it. Just tweak, a little yeah, bit. Tweak it, yeah. Tweak it every a, now and then. A period in, a period out, right? Yeah, just, and they come, because I mean, like an indeed, it comes up, hey, these, these are the uh, most updated resumes that have come in today. Mm -hmm. And somebody, you know, added a period, right? Or took out a period. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, you know, recruiters, you said that executive recruiters, get as many of them as you can in your bag. Uh, they're only as good as the opportunities that are in front of them. So if you're talking to one, they might have five opportunities. You talk to two, maybe there's 10 opportunities that they're looking at and trying to match your skill sets to. I think another thing is you need to be retrospect. You need to be introspective, not retrospective, introspective. What skill sets do you have that, are uh, more unique on the marketplace. It doesn't need to be unique. But, you know, one of the things, you know, when you look at my background, it's kind of diverse uh, across a lot of uh, different areas from products. You know, I, I was one of the head product guys, data and analytics and things of that nature. But when, at the end of the day, when I looked at it, I said, hey, not a lot of people um, have an accounting degree. Um, I ha actually have an accounting degree. Um, and, and therefore, finance is something where, uh, when they want accounting degrees and they want people that really understand the financial aspects of the business, that's something that sets me apart. Whereas I'm going to product or I'm going into data, there's a lot of people that do data analytics. There's a lot of people that do product. Uh, there's not really a product school. There's not really a data analytics school. There is a little bit if you're in the hardcore technical side, uh, but if you're on the analytics side, it's it's more difficult to set yourself apart on a sheet of paper. Um, but when you did when I did when I went back into finance, the reason why was because not everyone can do finance. I can. I can tell the line, and I could do technical integration, product. I've done interactive marketing and sales, but I have an accounting background and had ten years of experience in hardcore corporate finance. So that's something else you need to look at. Like, what is your skill set really set you apart from the rest? Don't do nothing. And <laughs> just don't do nothing. Don't do nothing. And if anything, you know, no. keep keep the keep the focus on on what's productive. And again. Going out, crying in your beer isn't productive. Yeah, that's not productive. Get over it. Uh, ha uh, business happens. Um, you know, a couple other things. If you're still in employed, you know, I think there's a couple things we want to hit before, you know, we went through and said you've got to hit up your internal network. So start 
making connections at that company, knowing that maybe 30% of them might not be here in a year. Well, you still make connections with them, stay connected with them, create a drip campaign, you're, text them. Things you're, like only, you're only more valuable at the next company. Yeah. And then um, you, you also, I think, you know, just to cover yourself when you're still at that company and, and things are starting to go south, is I, I feel like you almost need to start documenting everything. If you've got a really crappy boss or a crappy situation, um, you want to start documenting everything. Uh, you had a meeting where they told you to do this. Recap that in an email. Um, you know, and, and, and start documenting it. Because you need to protect yourself. You know, at the end of the day, it's David and Goliath. You're against the uh, company. And it shouldn't be that, but you sort of need to have that to protect yourself. Because they're not going to protect you. HR is really not there to protect you. Uh, in a way, HR is really there to protect the company. Um, so think about it in that regards. HR is not the confidant that you think they are when you're thinking of bad times. Um, you're the, you're the, you, you are your own HR department. And you're the CEO of you. One of the leaders I work for said that to me. It really hit a chord. It's on my LinkedIn profile. the CEO of me. You're the CEO of you. Make the decision that's right for you. Hopefully, uh, you, you find the right company. You know, the companies I've worked for, I've always respected the, uh, for the most part, I've respected the people I work for. The people I work for uh, with right now, I truly respect uh, a great company. Um, and then, well, Jay, 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 we're, getting a little, we're getting a little long in the tooth on this one. This one we could go on. Uh, we got a bunch of uh, people that have reached out to us to want to hop on and, and talk about their layoff experiences, both on the leadership side and on a, a, a producer side. So stay, uh, I think we should keep everybody uh, stay tuned for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, hopefully we have them on and we, we can talk about it uh, and how they've gone through the process as well. And then a couple other notes they have under Jamie is, you know, one of the segments is a uh, uh, book you should know. And uh, I've had a couple of people made suggestions that I should do, or we should do a separate uh, podcast on the uh, fundamental books that help helped us get the knowledge to get where we, we, we have gone. Um, so I'm, I'm, we're thinking about doing that, but uh, this week's book you should know is first break all the rules, what the world's greatest managers do differently. It's from Buckingham and Kaufman. That's an old school book. And long story short, some of the key ideas, you know, what the greatest managers uh, do and don't do. Uh, they interviewed 80,000 different uh, leaders and they combined what was most common in all of them. And to make a long story short, focus on your strengths, not your weaknesses of the people you work with. So I definitely check out that book. Yeah, so I think I've read that book. It's a great book. Uh, it's very insightful. Well, if you get the book, there's a strength finder in there. So let's mm -hmm. just say you've been laid off and you don't know what your strengths are. I mean, for 20 bucks, you can get a nice online report that says, hey, this is what you're good at. Maybe find jobs that are, are, are pertinent in these areas. Yeah, and customize your resume around those strengths as well. Yep. Um, okay, so that's going to end our show for today. You know, obviously layoffs, you know, guys. Layoffs. You're not the only one that's experienced this. You're not the only one that's been laid off. It is awful, um, but pay it forward when you can so that you can get it paid back for when you uh, need the help. Um, so um, that's gonna end the show today. I mean, Pete, we're gonna cue the music in a second, but before we let you know, uh, next week, I'm gonna do my first remote podcast. Hopefully it works. Uh, oh, the family's well, going well, on vacations. Well, we're well, gonna see how that works. We'll have better Wi-Fi. <laughs> Probably. All right, Pete, you want to kill the music? Bow wow, chicka wow wow, bow wow, chicka wow wow.